0: Writer, journalist, and political advisor living in Washington, DC. Around town, she's got a lot of really powerful friends. She'd been living here for years and years and years. Uh, and among them she's known for her humor, her intellect, and her impeccable sense of style. Actually, there's some really famous pictures of her, if you Google her, wearing these like huge like Kentucky derby hats. Both Drath and her husband Albrecht Muth were highly educated. Drath and Muth. No, Drath. Drath and Muth. Muth. I I don't know if it's Muth or Muth. Anyways, but either either way, Um, both were highly educated expats from Germany. They'd been married for over 20 years and living in D.C. together. They counted amongst their friends some of D.C.'s most influential elite, including actually former Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. There's this story that Albrecht liked to tell about uh, when he asked Viola to marry him, he called Antonin and asked if... Scalia could marry them, to which Scalia replied, what are you talking about? I'm already married, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Um, anyway, unfortunately, on August 12th, 2010, Muth called 911 and reported that he had returned from his morning walk to find Viola splayed on the bathroom floor uh, and unconscious. He... Said he had no idea what had happened. He assumed that she must have slept and fallen, which wouldn't be unheard of considering Viola was 91 years old. Oh, okay. Um. So she she was getting up there in age. When the are, when the paramedics arrived on scene at their Georgetown home, they found Viola completely unresponsive. So the next day, the very next day, her death was ruled a homicide. And just four days later, her husband would be arrested for her murder. Wow,
1: that's uh, a quick turnaround from a slip on the floor.
0: This is the murder of Viola Herms Drath. I'm Natalie Levy.
1: And I'm Michael Costa.
0: And this is Detective Society. detective society Uh, again my name is natalie levy
1: and i'm still michael costa
0: um so this is our second episode i went out and bought us another mic so hopefully this week the sound quality will be better
1: and i'm resisting the urge to make a pun about my name also being mike
0: and, and getting a second mic
1: well, obviously you set me up so perfectly
0: <laughs> oh yeah that was a really flawless comedy thank you um, so once again uh, I just want to kind of thank people who are listening even if that's no one uh, you can reach us with any questions or corrections at the detective pod on twitter and detective society pod at gmail.com you have any other special biz? <laughs> no. Okay. All right. So back to Viola. So I really want to talk about Viola's life before her death because she was actually extremely accomplished.
1: Um, her, her climb up the DC socialite ladder. If you will,
0: yeah, which is like an insane story. When she died, her daughter Lindsay Drath said she was interesting, alive, relevant, and busy. Even at ninety-one, it wasn't easy to get her to get on her calendar. She was just a different kind of ninety-one-year-old. Um, if you guys hear some noises in the background, it's our two dogs making our podcasting impossible. They only make noise when we're recording. Um, so anyway, Viola was born in Dusseldorf in 1920, and relatives who were interviewed talked a lot about, even in post-World War One Germany, having drivers and vacation. Um, She actually went to boarding school in Scotland, which is where she learned to speak English. Um, In 1946, she was a playwright in Munich, and that was where she met her first husband, Colonel Francis Strath. Uh, after world war 2 she wrote about meeting him i caught the eye of a tall dark-haired colonel with the most soulful brown eyes i had ever seen it was love at first sight which is really adorable it's really kind of wonderful you she she was a writer so she kept really intense diaries she wrote her own memoirs and just the way that she writes and speaks about her first husband and, and her whole life is really eloquent and beautiful. Um, so after getting married, they moved from Munich to Lincoln, Nebraska.
1: Well, that's a culture shock for sure, having, <laughs> yeah. having been to parts of Nebraska. I never been to Munich, Germany, though. Coming from post-World War II Germany to middle America in the 40s, Yeah, culture shock to say the least, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, but she took it in stride. She
1: seemed Um, at this point, even this early in the story, she seems like this is gonna be a theme through her. She just seems
0: like the best she, she studied at the University of Nebraska and received advanced degrees in both literature and philosophy. She was like, she's just a smart cookie. Um, Fran Drath, was, one of her daughters, was born in 1952 and has talked a lot about her mother and how glamorous and fun she was. Um she talks about her mom banging away at a Remington typewriter using only her two index fingers when she was learning how to type. Um, the family itself was really, really exciting because Francis Drath had been in the military. They kind of had these off-the-beaten-track family vacations. They would fly on military aircraft to places like Morocco, Spain, and Germany. Um, Fran is quoted as saying it was like a big adventure. She was just loving her life in America. She was involved in the now, embracing what was before her, and they had a really solid marriage. They were totally in love.
1: So at this point... I feel like you're setting up this fairy tale marriage to have someone die. Oh! <laughs> I, so. I know you pretty well, and uh, those are the signs.
0: Okay, not quite yet.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Not quite yet. It's not gonna happen that soon, um, but they are about to make a big change. In 1968. Uh, Viola and Francis took their burgeoning family and moved to Washington D.C., where they bought their now famous home in Georgetown. Um,
1: it's a big change, right there, midlife. You know, I mean, she's nearly fifty when they make that move.
0: So he realized that she was quite brilliant and needed. And she needed to be somewhere else, not Nebraska. Um, additionally, he was. Taking a job in government, Um, I believe he had been a professor in Nebraska and now he was taking a much more high power position. It was definitely a move in the right direction for them. Um, but she also was making moves on her own. She actually, again, was super accomplished. She was considered a strategic ally and an advisor to a lot of people who are really high up, including the first uh, President Bush. So um, I'm reading a quote here. As a member of the Executive Committee of the National Committee on American Foreign Policy, she was described as a notable figure in German-American relations for over 30 years. One of her articles published in 1988 for the National Committee, The reemergence of the German Question, proposed negotiations on German unification between the two German states and the four allied powers. So she was writing on some really, really interesting and meaty foreign policy. And as a woman, again between the 60s and 80s, she was kind of being given unprecedented access to some very powerful figures. Um, Additionally, like I said, she was the foreign policy advisor to the 1988 Bush campaign where she helped lay the groundwork, which led to the two plus four process towards German unification in
1: 1990. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, this is the right time for to be a, a German expat in D.C. there. Especially in the DC political scene, and we, she made the move, as you said, in the '60s, in the late '60s. The the Bush seniors had been in the city for multiple decades, working in government. So it's not shocking to me that they would have rubbed elbows many times. And once, you know, Herbert was in power, that he had this close ally who was an expert on German relations. Right as the Cold War is wrapping up, and mm-hmm. unification looks like it's a within reach goal again for a long time there during the Cold War was not even closed on the table or in discussion.
0: Yeah, and from what I understand, both Viola and her first husband, Francis, were really, really charming. They were really, really gracious hosts. And although they were definitely not the richest couple in town, they were some of the most welcoming. They... Had this lovely family and this lovely home in a really, really nice part of town. If you're not from D.C., Georgetown is pretty swanky. It's the bougie part of town. It definitely is the bougie part of town. Like, two million one-bedroom homes, basically. Yeah. Yes. But two million is the price, not the
1: amount of one-bedrooms available. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... And they bought definitely at the right time. They bought their place in the late 60s, early 70s. So now that home... Well, we'll talk about how much that home is worth. Oh, oh, I can't wait. Yeah.
1: I'd love to be shocked by DC real estate.
0: <laughs> um, so at this point... An interesting figure emerges in her life Um, at a news conference in the early 1980s. She met an unpaid intern from Germany, a young man who impressed her with her with his intelligence and wit, Albrecht Muth. They met for dinner at a Georgetown restaurant, and he would basically pop into her house unannounced all the time. Once he sported an eye patch and claimed he had gotten it in, in the way of an, of an assassination attempt in Paraguay.
1: Wait. Uh, okay. O-
0: okay. This is just the first of many very tall tales that Muth would tell about himself and his place in the political landscape. Oh, God. Actually, later on in her memoirs, Drath would remember the eye patch as an attention getting prop. Um, So she just found him kind of fascinating. Um, That is until January of 1986, when Colonel Francis Drath died after a battle with cancer. He and Viola had been married for nearly 40 years, and he was 81 years old. So here's where we learn a little bit more about Francis's role in Viola's life. As you can imagine, she was a super exciting woman who really enjoyed every minute of living life, but she also traveled quite a bit. Yeah. Even when they had been living in Nebraska, she was constantly jetting between Nebraska and New York, writing for German magazines on fashion. Uh, writing for American magazines on politics. Well,
1: I can see why he wanted to finally get her out of Nebraska then.
0: <laughs> yeah, she was, she was quite brilliant. Um, so, Drath had really been her main support system. He cooked, he handled the finances, he took care of the house, he did the shopping, shuttled the kids back and forth. When he died... Viola was really really lost actually a, a friend had come to stay with her after his death to kind of help out around the house and well she's, go-
1: a, she's already in her late 60s when he passes.
0: Uh no. 88 you said? Well he it was 88 so she would have just been in her late 40s. She was born in Oh, I'm sorry. She was born in 1920. <gasps> Guys, oh, listeners. Oh my god. I'm better
1: at math than Natalie. Don't let her forget it.
0: Yeah, she is She's damn close to 70. Which, which I mean,
1: I was, the point I want to bring is you see this a lot with elderly couples when one passes away, especially this advanced stage in life. Like, people have a hard time. They just You've lived with this person and had these habits together for so long. It, you, I can only imagine how lost you would feel in those, you know, months and immediate years right after that loss. It's...
0: Ugh, I, I can't even imagine it. I, I just... I imagine it feeling like one day you wake up and your right arm is gone. Yeah. You just rely on this person and in case you can't tell listeners Mike and I are married. Gross. <laughs> so like whatever if he died tomorrow it'd just be it'd be totally fine. Be a weird episode of this show. It'd be an extremely weird episode of this show. Um, so her, her friend had been staying with her and woke up one morning to find Viola in the kitchen and she turned around and asked him, do you know how to make breakfast? She had really relied on Francis a lot in terms of the day in and day out of their relationship. She famously vowed to herself that she would never attend another mate's funeral.
1: She took one of those, uh, it's like gone with the wind, you know, stands, or she she swore never again.
0: As God is my witness.
1: Exactly, exactly. I will
0: never bury another husband. That's <laughs> dark. That's dark, man.
1: I mean, but you're 68 going on, you know, like, you're that, you're that age where that kind of pledge is not, uh, like if someone who's 25 says, I'm never burying another husband, you're like, what's going on in your life? That's that's a pledge you need to be making. <laughs> um, at 68, I guess I can understand it. Yeah. I, can, I got a feeling that that kind of, like, mentality is going to lead to some problems. <laughs>
0: What do you know? Um, so almost immediately, this young fella, Albert Mu, He's still- Albert Mu,
1: Who's been hanging around for a few years now at this point.
0: Yeah, they, they've been friends for a couple years. So he just starts kind of popping up at her home. As
1: you'd already said, he, he was a fan of the unannounced visit, and I'm assuming the frequency has now inque- increased?
0: Yes, it definitely has. Um... He was always kind of eccentric and charming, and now he kind of ratchets it up to another level. I mean, her husband's out of the picture. And Muth even admits to people... Later on in life, that he had been a huge devotee of hers. He had been young in Germany and had read a lot of her work. Since she had been this American German who was writing was like a fashion prolifically, writer. yeah, he was really really excited to to meet her and kind of get to know her. Um, and as for. herself she writes I was impressed by his natural eloquence his polished speech his grasp of affairs of state of governance and the intricacies of political chess often after our talks he sat down at the baby grand to play and sing for me into the wee hours of the evening so it seems like she was really a he was a shoulder for her to cry on
1: she was very vulnerable, and he turned the charm up to 11.
0: Exactly. So after months of dropping in for tea and phone calls, Mooth shows up unannounced again at Drath's home in a tuxedo and carrying a bottle of Moet. He proposed marriage, and she accepted. The disparity in age that was accentuated further when he referred to her as Madam in public was definitely on display because four years after the death of her husband drath then 70 years old married 26 year old albrecht muth
1: wow i had been picturing a man in his 40s which is still a huge age split but he he meets her as a baby well you said he was an intern actually now that i think about it there's no such thing as a 35 year old journalist intern at a Press briefing.
0: I mean, I'm I'm sure that there are.
1: Um, yeah, it's coming out next spring, starring Vince Vaughn. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just, which means that when he was dropping by unannounced with an eye patch from Paraguay, he was 23.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <sighs> he seemed like a weirdo earlier. You gotta tell ya? Seems more like a weirdo now.
0: Well, hold on to your hat. <laughs>
1: The idiom is hold on to your hat.
0: (laughs) Hold on to your hats, ladies and gents. Because he's about to seem a lot weirder. After their marriage, Muth fabricated a story that an elderly German count had fallen from an elephant in India and needed to appoint a successor before dying. From that point forward, (sighs) Muth insisted on being called Count Albrecht.
1: There's a lot to unpackage here.
0: <laughs> I, uh, the,
1: uh, that's the lie? Yeah, that's the lie. A German count died. And that, I honestly think that could have been enough. Why did it have to be in India on an elephant?
0: That's a good question. I hadn't actually thought about that. Like,
1: why is that relevant? I feel like it, it, it's... I, there's some... There's something wrong with... It going on there obviously. clearly I just and so he's walking around town saying how do you do I'm Count Muth right Albrecht I'm Count Albrecht he and known- this is my madam
0: Julia I guess or Viola Viola
1: that's right sorry Viola
0: So he was known to do a lot of pretty eccentric things. He... Still under 30 at this point. Yes. He claimed to have been a high-ranking official in Iraq in some kind of military capacity. He had... He had a costume uniform made up with a red beret and big lapels and epaulets,
1: like the epaulets
0: that he would wear around Georgetown as he ran his errands.
1: I just, I'm picturing of like. uh like a a, a Muammar Gaddafi kind of, like, outfit. Yes. Like, Ray-Bans and, like, big showy epaulets on the shoulders and, like, bakers on Georgetown's main thoroughfare. Be like, oh,
0: hey, Count, how are you today? So he... It's just
1: the bizarre, most bizarre scene for Georgetown. He
0: signed his letters and referred to him as, to himself as Count Albie. He walked with a walking stick while wearing this full regalia. He was definitely definitely what I would call eccentric
1: eccentric is the very nice friendly way to put it I hear this and I just think that guy's crazy
0: and all this time he's in his mid-twenties his wife is 70 years old and
1: is, go ahead
0: the trouble is about to begin in earnest
1: is it um, and I I hope I don't spoil it but I like doing things like this to you is it money is he spending all of her money
0: He is spending a fair bit of her money. Keep in mind, she was not living in the lap of luxury to begin with. And at this point, she's living off of Francis's military pension and life insurance. So it's not like she's really rolling in it. Actually, it was famously said about their house that it hadn't been updated since before they had bought it. And that she was giving Albrecht... $2,000 a month that basically would have been money that she'd been living on. That was her allowance. Oh,
1: she was giving him like an allowance. Yeah. The dynamics of this relationship weren't already weird.
0: (laughs) Okay, it's about to get weirder and really, really worse. So the real trouble began not long into their marriage. I said... In 1990, they got married, and in 1992, Muth was arrested and charged with domestic assault for the first time. For the first time. (laughs) Pleading guilty to assault and ultimately serving jail time. He had punched his wife in the face because she had interrupted him while he was on the phone.
1: This is going to be my thing, I think, throughout this episode. What a creep.
0: He was a huge creep. It was actually only the first in several alleged violent outbursts for Muth who drank a lot and who had kind of these really violent, horrible episodes. Drath wrote of a threat in a Scottish castle where the two were traveling, where she basically had to run down the hall in her underwear to escape him. And friends several times recall when she would seek help after claims of abuse, such as being hit with a chair or threatened. He also would go on to do things like slam her head against walls and on the floor and then literally sit on top of her body while he screamed at her. Oh, God. Once when they were staying at the Plaza Hotel, he... Took all of her clothes and threw them out into the hall and then locked her out of her room. She He had all of her credit cards and all of her money and she had to call a friend embarrassed well into her 70s that her husband was treating her this She's way. She's
1: getting way too old for this shit.
0: Exactly. So, as you can imagine...
1: It continues to deteriorate.
0: Well, some of these incidences did lead to long breaks or breakups. In 2002, after an alleged attack, Muth became quite violent with her, and she broke things off with him. Shortly thereafter, he would become romantically involved with a man and move into his apartment. Unfortunately, Muth was... I guess, completely blind to gender because he would also become violent with his boyfriend in the exact same ways that he was violent with his wife. When Muth threatened to kill his boyfriend, his boyfriend threw him out and obtained a restraining order. Good on him. Exactly. Sometimes I hear about like the things that were happening to this woman. And I understand it's hard. You can't control someone, especially when they're an adult. But I just feel like, how did people not intervene more? I know that her, her family and her daughters especially were extremely worried about yeah. her. But I just... It's just so hard.
1: But I mean, it's... Even though that she's, you know, in this advanced age, it's, you see this with... When you have children or, or younger siblings who are dating some guy in high school you don't like. Trying to pull them apart only pushes them closer together. Yeah, it's true. And so it's a really difficult situation to... I mean, I just feel for those poor kids from, you know, to they, they grew up in a home with uh, two loving parents who were successful and had things going on, and they're grown and moved out and living their own lives, but then dad dies and he gets replaced with this... Psycho. I mean, he's...
0: Who is younger than her kids.
1: Yeah. Now I'm picturing the count from Sesame Street. A violent 20-something count from Sesame Street.
0: That would be tough to stomach, yes. And he's blonde. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Okay, so after the boyfriend throws him out and gets the restraining order, Viola takes him back. Except now he's openly and actively having affairs with men. Once she had come to terms with Moose's actual sexual orientation, he did not try to disguise it. He actually described his relationship with his wife as extremely transactional. Well, in 2006... According to a detective's report, an argument led to Mooth swinging a chair at her, knocking Viola from the sofa, and then repeatedly pounding her head against the floor. The next morning, Drath escaped to her daughter's home and phoned 911. This seems to be kind of a, a turning point in their relationship. It continues to be volatile, but it... It feels a lot like Drath kind of resigns herself to being with this really violent man. In her autobiography, Drath wrote that she was cognizant of the situation, but was consistently drawn to Muth anyway. She writes, quote, as his dreams of fame and fortune faded, the smart kid with the promising potential, the ready smile and the witty sides turned into a frustrated champagne guzzler, a braggart and a relentless user. She seems to have known full well the kind of man that she was yes. married to. And it's just so hard to understand why a woman who is so accomplished and so smart and even at the ripe old age of 91 was still so vivacious and full of life, why she would stay with him? I don't know. And I I feel like this is just the way that abuse is. Like, you never know. There's never a reason that they stay with him. They just stay.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, you have to think that the glimpse she got at what life would be like without a man around because it sounds like I would have to guess, and maybe I'm way off base here, that the things he was – because in these relationships, these abusive relationships, there's still – something's being provided to both parties, usually. And so you have to think that her husband dies, her first husband dies, and that experience of being alone is terrifying. And although Mooth is far from perfect and at times downright dangerous, that she's convinced herself that he's better than being alone in the alternative –
0: That's what a lot of the people in her life say, especially her daughters who just say she was so lonely after their father died and she couldn't deal with that kind of solitude and loneliness. So even though she was actively still living her life and seemed like a real treasure having this man in her life was a real weight on her um she was trying to kind of reel him in in 2008 she took in a border um a graduate student named alan burns who agreed to pay a thousand dollars a month for a room in their home uh he says things were great for a few weeks but one saturday night draft busted his door open, and was visibly shaken. She said that Muth had threatened to hit her, and when he asked if they should call the police... She said she didn't want to. Then the very next day they they both acted like nothing had happened, which was even more bizarre to Burns, and he moved out very, very suddenly in the next few weeks because he was completely uncomfortable with this kind of roller coaster cyclical situation. Moose behavior would not improve even around other people. In the ramp up to her 2012 murder, Muth's embarrassments were kind of growing. The pastor at Drath's church had barred him from coming in the building. The German embassy would no longer allow him on their guest list because he would basically go out and get extremely drunk using her name as a way to get into doors and then behave badly, which meant that people were also curtailing their dealings with her. Yeah. In September of 2010... The State Department received an anonymous fax containing a diplomatic dispatch that a mole had sent to the editors of WikiLeaks. Investigators from the department quickly dismissed the fax as an uninteresting clip job, but as a matter of protocol, they phoned the house that the fax had been sent from.
1: this guy is so dumb.
0: When Viola Drath answered their call, she initially, oh, I'm sorry, she instantly fingered her husband as its author. Although the agents couldn't be sure, he thought he heard a commotion on the other end of the line and later told police that the phone immediately went dead. So, obviously, these are state department agents. They're not going to just let that go. They arranged to see Drath later and she insists with meeting with them, insists on meeting with them anywhere but in her house. She arrives at a restaurant wearing dark glasses, which she refused to remove until the agents insisted. And although Drath claimed that her black eye resulted from a collision with the banister, she also told agents that she feared for her safety and asked if they could possibly deport her husband. So this is two years before Drath's body is found. The night before Viola's body was discovered, Muth had gotten belligerently drunk he had met with a friend that he met on Craig'slist who didn't drink and basically went out and got shitfaced. He was drunk to the point that when they were combing through his emails later, they found an email from that friend saying, "I cannot see you again if you're gonna get this drunk." After the medical examiner ruled Drath's death a homicide, Muth, who referred to himself online as a secret agent, a diplomat, a militia leader, and, as we all know, Count Albi, claimed that his wife was killed as the result of a failed Iranian assassination attempt on him.
1: Okay. <laughs> I, okay. I guess.
0: We still have no idea what happened between Mooth's arrival at their home that night when he was very drunk and his call to 911.
1: The next morning or was it the same night?
0: It was the next morning. Okay. What we do know is that when paramedics, paramedics found her, she had gashes on her neck and it was later found that she had 10 fractured ribs, bruises to her spine, and scratches around her neck. Prosecutors would later claim the scratches occurred when Drath tried to fight Mooth off as he strangled her. In fact, she fought so hard, they said, that one of her thumbnails had been broken off. Jesus. Yeah, it's really, it's really horrible to read. And it's so horrible in, like, the wake of what her life could have been like.
1: Well, what it was like up until that point.
0: Exactly. So, it took police four days to investigate the crime scene and arrest Muth. When Muth was interviewed, he honestly did not do himself any favors, (laughs) telling investigators... Shocking. Yeah.
1: Did he insist on being referred to as Mr. Count, or the Count, or Lord Countess?
0: Not that I can tell. Okay. But he did tell investigators that his was a marriage of convenience, And when they asked about the house and how the body was discovered, he, and I quote said, you're the investigators, not me. As he awaited trial, I don't know like how this story can get more bizarre, but as he awaited trial, Muth went on hunger strike. He is very famously recorded on ABC News, laying in bed in a hospital, refusing food. But clearly speaking, he is not. He's just such a bizarre figure. And this is a word that is used over and over again to describe him is bizarre because he will say these things that are clearly lies. He will make these choices that seem insane. And for most of his life, because he was married to a woman who people respected and who seemed intelligent and smart and funny and beautiful.
1: And for whatever reason, loyal to him.
0: People kind of just accepted who he was. Anyway. Muth goes on hunger strike, citing his newfound Catholic faith. Many people believe that this was simply in an effort to delay his trial. Many people, includes me. Muth had also previously sought to have himself committed to St. Elizabeth's Hospital, the district's psychiatric facility, but doctors at the hospital, as well as doctors hired by prosecutors, declared Muth sane. In 2014, he was found guilty and sentenced to 50 years in federal prison. So here are a couple additionally kind of odd things about this murder. And I mean, they they have nothing to do with the murder. Viola Drath seemed like a wonderful, kind of amazing woman who had a really horrible husband.
1: Well, second husband. Yes. She was... Shooting 50% on the good husband game.
0: Yeah. One out of two is not bad.
1: I mean, considering how many bad husbands are out there.
0: Yeah, but the second one murdered her.
1: I don't think we need to debate this, actually. The merit of her marriage record, that is.
0: So, it's rumored, actually. There was a rumor going around last year that Christoph Waltz is making a film based on Viola's death and the subsequent investigation, where he, it is believed, will be playing Muth.
1: Christoph Waltz will be playing? Yeah. But he's too young, isn't he?
0: Muth is too young or Christoph Waltz is too
1: young? Muth is too young for Christoph Waltz to play him.
0: Not when he murdered Viola.
1: So, I mean, I guess. He yeah. was
0: almost 50 when he was arrested.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure.
0: Hey, Christoph Waltz is a handsome guy. Don't I'm mind just saying down. we're not
1: going to get the flashbacks to to young Muth.
0: Maybe I don't
1: know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, after the popularity of uh, and the Oscar buzz that uh, what was it called Foxcatcher? Mm-hmm. That Foxcatcher. God, I can see how this would seem because it's another uh, you know elder uh, murder with eccentric characters involved, prominent figures. I mean, I'd see it. All, All I'm saying it, I, I, you know.
0: is, don't rain down on Christoph Waltz. I just—he's a very handsome man.
1: I mean, yes, he's of an age. He's German. I, I can see how the where the connection is there.
0: So here's another snippet. Well, okay. The three-bedroom home in Georgetown that she shared with both Francis and Muth—that
1: her and Francis purchased in late '60s.
0: Yep was put on the market in the summer of 2013 by one of her daughters
1: okay and this is a year after the murder
0: this is one year after the murder okay. it sold in less than a week
1: okay do I, do I am i gonna guess the price
0: you can yeah sure Four million. Oh my God! Are you insane? One point two million. No, a person was murdered. It's in that Georgetown. House. I don't know, man. Well, people were flocking to it because it was such a steal. <sighs> well, it hadn't been updated since the '60s, so. Well, I think that she did some some renovating, but that originally her realtor had told her. I read a whole article about this home selling. That her realtor had told her that it wasn't going to sell for more than seven hundred grand. And so she she renovated it a little bit. They were very honest with the buyers that someone had been murdered in that home. And then it sold for one and a quarter million dollars.
1: For some people, that's not an issue. And for some people, it's a positive, I guess.
0: Well, if you want a haunted house like I do.
1: It's exactly the kind of people I was referring to, yeah.
0: Anyway, I, I, I walk away from this story feeling really horrible for, for Viola.
1: I walk away from the story feeling really horrible for her kids because they watched yeah. all this unfold. And the daughter who I, some of your story, from the story I assume lived locally, because there was the episode where he got drunk again and hit her and she ran off to her daughter's home. Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> How do you- I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, we're both children of divorce. Mm-hmm. The horror of like not having any control of the situation as your mother is getting more and more involved with this person who's clearly not well. It's... It, and maybe they're not well, but they're not, like, they're not all there. No. I mean, this whole count business. No. The military uniforms, the fake espionage stories. I, it's just horrifying to see that unravel in front of you not being able to do anything about it, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and like... It's so upsetting because of how many, like, hugely influential friends she had around town and all of these military connections that she had had from her first marriage. I just feel like, why didn't, what? I don't know if this is, like, nice or not or whatever, but, like, why didn't someone take this dude out? This dude sucked.
1: For two decades, too. He was that.
0: awful. He would do things like email her telling him that he was in Iraq on assignment, but then call her from numbers in Miami Beach. Like she was not blind about the kind of man that this was. It just is so heartbreaking. Yeah, it
1: really is. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I mean, the only, it's... Again, it's just the fear of being alone, I guess, and then the willingness to just keep giving this person another chance. I I don't even know, because at some point it just sounds like she's resigned herself to, like, this is what it is, you know? When she meets with the federal investigators, for instance, they call and she knows, yeah, that was my husband. Oh, well.
0: I know. I just, I think about her first marriage and how nice that must have been.
1: I mean, from what we know of it, you you can never really know someone's relationship from the outside, but it seems like at least they had a healthy, prosperous uh, marriage for the both of them and Mm -hmm. that just his death left a void that she needed to fill quickly and he was the first suitor and I'm not going to say that you know, there is some cutoff, you know, where, like, if you're 20 years age difference, you shouldn't get married. Because that's not what's going on here. This isn't a fact that someone in their 20s married someone in their 70s. It's not about the age difference. It's about Mooth being mentally unwell. Not being crazy, but obviously being mentally very un- unwell. And whether I think he had been 26 when they got married or 66 when they got married. Some, you know, these kind of violent episodes were going to happen because that's the kind of person he is. Uh, I just yeah I know you just you hear a story like this and think like god where why why couldn't anyone talk sense like have her see the light like help her get out of the situation why do they stay I
0: don't know I don't know I don't
1: know but you know maybe to turn us to something that's dark who are we casting next to Christoph Waltz
0: as Viola
1: yeah I mean Ooh. me my go to is Maggie Smith cause she's a treasure no,
0: Maggie Smith, you gotta look at pictures of this woman, Viola. I would say Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren's not all Her and Crystal Vulture are like the same age. Oh God, that's true. That's why when Maggie Smith, Maggie Smith played a hundred-year-old woman in Hook in 1990. Oh God, that's true. Well, then why can't Helen Mirren play a 91-year-old woman now? I,
1: I mean, I guess. Well, you know, forget it. We'll just get Tilda Swinton's makeup from. Grand Budapest Hotel.
0: There you go. Done deal.
1: To there you go.
0: It? Let's shake on it. Let's
1: shake. We'll call Chris off in the morning. Pitch him.
0: Okay, guys. This has been Detective Society. I'm Natalie Levy.
1: I'm Michael Costa.
0: And as per usual, you can reach us at the Detective Pod on Twitter or at detective society pod at gmail.com.
1: Leave us all the feedback you want, negative and.
0: No, only negative feedback for Michael, only positive feedback for me. That's what we respond to.
1: (laughs) That's usually how I'm motivated, yes.